Thank you very much, worship team. You know, I was telling the 6.30 service last night that Joe's in good company because uh, Pastor Cinder also found a very significant book on top of a garbage heap uh, many, many years ago. And that book influenced his life greatly, and that was uh, a commentary in the book of Romans. Uh, so, Joe, you're in good company. And it's amazing what God can do through things that other people consider as garbage. But that's for another sermon. So, are you ready for Christmas yet? You know, if all the kids were here, they'd be jumping up and down saying, yeah, we're ready. But adults, you know, they're saying, no. Some of you might be saying, you know, I still have uh, uh, decorations to put up. Uh, I, have, I still have to have cards nailed out and uh, meals to prepare, presents to buy and to wrap. But in two weeks' time, whether you're ready or not, the whole world's going to shut down. Highways will be empty, offices will be closed, and the whole world will focus on this one single event. Now, you might ask, you know, what's the big deal about Christmas anyway? What real difference does it make? Well, you wonder, you know, how does this baby born 2,000 years ago on the other side of the world impact my life right here in Toronto? That's a good question. And for that uh, answer, we'll need to look in the Bible. The Bible tells us that God came to earth 2,000 years ago. God himself came to invade earth. And it's the most significant event in history. And in fact, the event was so significant that our calendar is split in half. All of history has been divided into A.D. and B.C. So when you write a date... Who's your reference point? Jesus Christ. Even atheists who say they don't believe in God use Jesus Christ as a reference every single day of their life. That's how significant it is. And although the event is very significant, it didn't come in really any flashy way. In fact, it came in a very simple way. In Philippians 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, it says, Christ gave up his place as God and made himself nothing. He was born to be a man and became like a servant. When he was living as a man, he humbled himself. Now, think about this with me. Of all the ways that God could have come and to reveal himself to human beings, why did he come as a man? I mean, he could have done it in any different way. Uh, he could have had this one big flashy light show. Uh, he could have come in lightning and thunder and clouds. Uh, he could have invented satellite 2,000 years early uh, and uh, put televisions in every single home and have revealed himself in that way. But he didn't. Instead, he came as a little baby. Now, let me ask you, if you were God, would you come as a little baby? Probably not. Because... The, the real reason is that God sent Jesus Christ to us to save us and not to scare us. Because you see, no one is afraid of a baby, right? Many people are honestly afraid of God. They're, you know, every time we talk about God, they start getting nervous. Their hands are all clammy and their ears get all red. They start sweating. And that for them, might be, there might be good reasons for that. But if God came in thunder and clouds and lightning, people would be scared to death. But again, no one is afraid of a little baby in a manger. 
You see, God had this uh, communication dilemma. He had to communicate to us in a way that we could understand. Now, if he wanted to communicate to frogs, I'm sure he would have come as a frog. If he wanted to communicate to donkeys, he would have come as a donkey. But he wanted to communicate to you and to me. So he became one of us. He became one of us. Uh, He wanted to do that because he wanted you and I to know him. He knows all about you. He knows where you've been and what you've done. He He knew you from the womb. He knows all the things that's going to happen to you. And he knew you were going to be here today. He knows everything about you because he wants to know you. In essence, that's what Christmas is all about. He came as a child so you wouldn't be afraid of him. He came as a human being so that you could relate to him. The king of the universe who created everything came to earth because he wanted you to know him. And again, you might be asking, well, so what? What difference does that make? So he's God. What difference does it make? Well, I want to tell you today that it makes a huge difference. And I want to be as simple and straightforward and brief as possible. And some of you might have been following the series on incarnation, God coming into flesh to earth uh, with Pastor Sinder. And I do want to say that Pastor Sinder was uh, a nuclear engineer. He graduated probably the top of his class at MIT. Now, I was trained as a zoologist. I was trained to work with animals. That's not a comment on you. <laughs> now that we've lowered the bar a little bit, I can begin. I want, I want you to remember this, that the Bible says that because Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ came, three things can be true in your life. And again, I'm indebted to Rick Warren for these three points. I want you, I want you to remember this, because Jesus came to earth Three things can happen to you and to me. My past can be forgiven, my present can be managed, and my future can be guaranteed. Now, that pretty much takes care of all of our life. The past, the present, and the future. So let's flesh that out. Because Jesus Christ came, my past can be forgiven. In John 12, 47, Jesus said, I came to save the world, not to judge it. I came to save it, not to judge it. Now, you might say, I don't need a Savior. I mean, Joe talked about the Savior. I don't need one. What do I need to be saved from? Well, the Bible tells us that everyone has sinned, that we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. And that's good news. That is that None of us are perfect. And some of you might uh, hear a story again like Joe's and, and relate to that. But some of you might say, well, I'm not a heroin addict. I'm okay. Well, that might be the case. But you still fall short of God's perfect standard. I mean, I don't measure up to my own standard, let alone God's. So we all have regrets. I love reading uh, these letters to Santa Claus from children. And uh, one letter, uh, one little kid wrote, Dear Santa, there are three boys in my house. There's Jeffrey, he's two. There's David, he's four. And there's Norman, he's seven years old. 
Now, Jeffrey, he's good some of the time. David, he's good some of the time. Norman, he's good all the time. By the way, I'm Norman. (laughs) And you know, that's the problem. None of us are Normans. None of us are good all the time. We all have regrets, and guilt has this devastating effect on our lives. It robs us of happiness. It causes depression. It makes us sick. Guilt does all kinds of things to us because we don't know really how to get rid of it. We'll try anything to relieve guilt. Uh, We'll take drugs. We'll get drunk. We'll try therapy. Or some of us will go to Disneyland. Anything to cover up things that we wish hadn't happened in our lives. But you know what? There's only one solution. And that's forgiveness. You know, I read a Christmas card a while back and it said, if the world's greatest problem uh, was the need for technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need was pleasure, he would have sent an entertainer. If our greatest need was money, he would have sent an accountant. But our greatest need is forgiveness. And that's why he sent a savior. And in essence, that's what Jesus did. Jesus came, he stretched out his hands on the cross. He was nailed there for your sins and for mine. And he said, I love you this much. The good news is that God wants to forgive you. He wants to clear your conscience. And when God forgives you, there are several things. There's three things you need to know about that. One, that forgiveness is instant. He doesn't make you wait a long time to forgive you. He doesn't say, I need, you need to be cleaned up first. Get your life together before I can forgive you. No, that forgiveness is instant. The Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So again, that forgiveness is instant. Secondly, that forgiveness is undeserved. You'll never earn it. You can't work for it. You can't beg God for it. You can't bribe God. It's undeserved. The Bible says, for the grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God so that no one can boast. And lastly, it's complete. The Bible says that when we confess our sins to God, we actually give them to Christ. And God says, your sins I will remember no more. You know, that's one of the most amazing things uh, that's found in the Bible. That God can actually forget. The God who made the whole universe can forgive you and forget your sin. That blows my mind. If you sincerely come and say, Christ, forgive me. Be the forgiver of my sin and leader of my life. And then you were to die today. And then you were to stand before God. And then you said to him, God, about that divorce. You know, we talked about that. God's going to say, what divorce? It's forgiven. About that dishonesty, God's going to say, what dishonesty? It's been forgiven. About that unkind word and angry outburst, what outburst? It's been forgiven. When God forgets, you can forget too. You know, many times we can believe that God forgives us, but we don't forgive ourselves. What God forgives, we can forgive as well. We hold on to our guilt over the years. And, you know, somebody said that when God forgives, He takes our sins and throws it into the deepest part of the ocean. And then He puts a no fishing sign there. Don't drag it out again. 
Satan wants to keep you under guilt, but God says it's forgiven. Have you ever been halfway through a project and uh, you wish you could start all over? I've been refinishing our basement. I'm still trying to do that. I started when I was on sabbatical. And I wish I could start all over again. You know, I see things that are a little bit off. But have you ever worked, you know, looked at your life and you wish you could start all over again? Well, that's what God is saying. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he becomes a new person altogether. The past is finished and gone. Everything becomes fresh and new. God doesn't want you to just turn over a new leaf. He wants to give you a new life. It's like starting again, being born all over. If there's anything that's good news, is that God says my past can be forgiven. And regardless of who you are or what you've done or what you think you've done, you matter to God and He cares about you deeply and He wants to forgive you. I mean, that in itself is good enough. And we could stop there, but because Jesus came, my past can be managed, but also my present, uh, my past can be forgiven, but also my present can be managed. In John 10.10, Jesus said, I came to give you life, life in all its fullness. Now, you might wonder, why did he say that? Again, it's because people are not really living. They're just existing. Most people get up in the morning, you know, have their coffee, go to work, go home, eat dinner, watch TV, and then go to bed. And then the next day, they do that all over again. And the following day, they do that all over again. And on the weekends, they try to do all the things that they wish they could catch up on. And then they say, I'm really living. They're not living. They're just existing. In fact, you don't really know what life is all about until you understand why God put you here on earth. And that's to have a deep, personal, intimate relationship with the Creator who made you. Jesus said, I came to give your life purpose and meaning and significance. You're not here just to take up space. In addition, I've seen people really stressed out. In the past couple of years, I've seen people more stressed out than I've ever seen before. And I don't know if it's the pace of life or the economy or all the crime and violence out there, but people are are really worn out. And it can get to you. If you look around you, people are searching for additional power everywhere. Um, Notice all the bestsellers. talks all about how to manage your life. Um, People are basically saying, you know, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I went to uh, Walmart the other day, and I saw uh, an aisle just dedicated to uh, energy bars and power drinks and power pills. It's because people are needing this additional power and ways to cope with life's problems today. That's why Dr. Phil is so popular, right? I mean, people want to tune in and find out how to fix the problems that they have and manage their daily life. And to quote Dr. Phil, so, is it working for you? Is it working for you? All the things that you're trying to do, is it working for you? Most likely not. Again, good news. The Christ who came 2,000 years ago can give you the power to manage your present problems. Philippians 4, 13. I have the strength to face all conditions by the power Christ gives me. Again, you don't know what 2006 holds for you, but you can face them all. 
God assumes the responsibility to meet all your needs and to help you and give you the strength to face all your problems. That's amazing. When you give your life to Christ, he assumes the responsibility to take care of you and all your needs. The Bible says God gave us his own son. Can we not trust such a God to give us everything else that we need? He says he'll supply all those needs. What else is left? So he takes care of my past and he takes care of my present. And again, lastly, because Jesus came, my future can be guaranteed. In Hebrews 2, it says, Jesus became like us. He came to set free those who were slaves all their lives because the fear of death. The fear of death is a universal problem. You know, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, educated or uneducated, black, white, brown. It doesn't matter. We're all going to die. It's an inevitable fact of life that we're all going to die. You know, the mortality rate in Canada is 100%. You know, I'll always tease my kids whenever we're driving by a cemetery. I'll say, hey, guys, how many people do you think are dead in that cemetery? And they'll guess a number. I said, no, they're all dead. <laughs> you know, and it doesn't make sense to be unprepared uh, for something that's going to happen. I know someday I'm going to die. Everybody, everybody else in history has died. So it makes sense that I need to be prepared for it. I always ask the kids, you know, at their drop-in at TCI. So if you had a test, and let's say it's up to 100, and the first question is worth 1%. The second question is worth 99%. Which question would you spend the most amount of time in? Well, of course, it's the second question worth 99%. It's a no-brainer, right? But if we look at life, we spend an inordinate amount of time worrying about life here. 75, 80 years or more. Compared to eternity, that's 1%. So we need to think about that. Uh, We need to be prepared for what the other side is going to be. You're not ready to live until you're ready to die. Have you ever noticed that people really get afraid when you start talking about death? Uh, As a kid, I was really afraid of dying. Uh, The reason for that is that my mother, my grandmother, was a midwife. That's not the only reason that I'm afraid of dying. Uh, she was a midwife, and so she, I was her assistant. She'd always take me to all these deliveries. So at a very early age, I knew where babies came from. After that, I didn't really want to know. Uh, but um, because she was so popular in our town, she'd always be invited to all these funerals. And funerals, most of the time, were these open casket funerals. And so as a kid, I'd have to go up, you know, pay my respects, and look at the shell, as Joe was saying. And, you know, it's amazing that just several days before that, you saw this person living, breathing, eating, talking, laughing. And then, boom, they're gone. They're, the shell, it's empty. And so it would scare me. It would scare me. What would happen to me? And what I saw was from birth to life, and there wasn't very much in between. It would really scare me. And I know it scares a lot of people. Some of you are probably scared right now. But that's okay. Because really, God wants you to be certain of what's going to happen when you do meet with Him. You're going to meet with God someday. You can run from God you know, the rest of your life. But in the end, you can't run anymore. And how can you be sure what's going to happen on the other side? The Bible says, It's appointed unto man to die once. 
And you know, Filipinos, we're uh, known for being late for lots of appointments. But that's one appointment I can't be late for. And that's one appointment you can't be late for. God has already chosen the time. But he doesn't want you to fear death. It says Jesus came to set us free from the fear of death. Why? If you already know where you're going and you already have a relationship with God and you're a friend of God, you don't have to be worried what's going to happen. I can stand before you today and genuinely say that I'm not afraid of dying anymore. Now, I'm afraid of pain and how I might die, but I'm not afraid of dying because I know what's going to happen on the other side. I've already settled that issue. I'm already friends with God. For a Christian, death is not the end. It's just a homecoming. It's a transition to better things. So during this uh, Advent season and around Christmas time, um, one of the words used most is the word gift. Everybody's worried about getting the right gifts, right? And uh, I know for young people, the big new thing is the iPod. Um, God has some gifts for you during this time. There are actually three gifts, and they're all wrapped up into one, the gift of Jesus Christ. When you receive Jesus Christ, the gift, you get three benefit gifts. One, it's the gift of forgiveness. The Bible says, let us praise God for the free gift he gave us in his son. We are set free. Our sins are forgiven. So he takes care of our past. And then he gives us the gift of strength. Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. And that takes care of our present. He says, I'm going to be with you. I'll help you. I'll handle it. You might not know what the future holds, but I do. And I'm going to help you. Third, the gift of eternal life. Romans 6, 23 says, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And when you look at these gifts, again, there's several things that you notice. One, these gifts are personal. Very personal. They come in a person in Jesus Christ. And then secondly, they're very practical. They meet you where you're at. It's exactly what you need. They take care of your past, your present, and your future. Third, they're priceless. They cost Christ his life. It costs God his son. That shows your worth. When you receive a very, very, very expensive gift, you realize that somebody really values you. Well, God says, you are valuable. Lastly, they're permanent. You know, we get all kinds of gifts, and some of them don't last very long. Some of them don't even last till New Year's. This one is a permanent gift. So I really have two questions for you. One, have you received God's Christmas gift of Jesus Christ? You know, I read about a guy who uh, got a Christmas gift 49 years ago, and he still hasn't opened it. I mean, that seems really nutty to me. Now, if my wife gave me a gift and I put it under the Christmas tree, or, you know, you gave me a gift, no hints, but my office is just down there. Uh, you gave me a gift, and then you come March, three months later, you say, so how did you like my gift to you? I said, I'm sure I liked it. I don't know. I haven't opened it. That would seem ridiculous. The tragedy is that many people celebrate Christmas year after year after year, and they've never received God's Christmas gift to them. It doesn't make sense. So the question for you today is, have you accepted God's gift of forgiveness, of strength, and of eternal life through Jesus Christ, His Son? You know, you can't really celebrate, I mean, truly celebrate Christmas 
until you do that. You're not going to find it under the tree until it's in your heart. So have you received that gift? I heard a story of a father who gave his daughter uh, some plastic pearls. Uh, and she loved it. You know, she wore it every day. And when she turned 13, the father said to her, give me those plastic pearls back. And she said, why? Just trust me. Just give them back to me. With one hand, he received those plastic pearls from her. And the other hand, he pulled out of his pocket these genuine, real pearls. And again, that's what God is saying to you today. Give me those cheap thrills, those things that you think satisfy you, but really don't. And I'll give you something that's very genuine. I'll give you something real, something that's going to last if you'll trust me. Secondly, how do you receive this gift at Christmas? Seems like a natural question. You receive this gift by believing. Very simple. What does it mean to believe in Jesus Christ? Well, it means more than just having intellectual knowledge in a sense. Because I believe in Stalin and Hitler and Mao. And that doesn't make me a Nazi or a communist. But when I believe in Jesus Christ, I become a Christian. Why? Because I commit my life to him. You know, some of you might remember the story uh, many years ago on a Christmas day of a famous tightrope walker named George Blondin. And he had set to cross um, the Niagara Falls on a tightrope. And uh, one on the side, the Canadian side, the other on the American side. And, you know, and uh, if he just made one mistake, he'd be plunged to his death. And he was a real ham. You know, he didn't want to just walk across like, you know, uh, many daredevils would do. He wanted to do it with a wheelbarrow, pushing a wheelbarrow full of dirt. So, you know, people are uh, just waiting, looking. And so he crosses, uh, gets to the other side. You know, with thunderous applause. And people were amazed. And again, he does it. He does it about 20 times. And again, to wild applause. The very last time, uh, he jumps off, you know, and takes the wheelbarrow. He goes in front of a tourist. And this tourist is all excited. says, George, you're amazing. You're incredible. I, could believe, I believe you could do that a hundred times. I really believe in you. George Blondin emptied the wheelbarrow full of dirt. He turned to the tourist and said, good, jump in. Jump in. And you know, people need to think about that story and know that that's what Jesus is saying to you. If you believe in Jesus Christ, put your money where your mouth is. Lay it on the line. Make a commitment and say, Jesus, I received your gift of forgiveness, of power for today, and guarantee for, uh, future, for the future in heaven with you. And for that, I'm going to trust you with my life. That's what it means to believe. People come to services like these for many different reasons. You came uh, for different reasons. Some of you came out of habit. Some of you came out of tradition. Some of you be, because your parents made you cool. Uh, some of you uh, because you were invited by a friend. Uh, some for the music. Maybe for some it's the thing to do. But regardless of why you think you're here, God brought you here because he wants to say to you, I have a gift for you. I want to give you a gift. You matter to me. And maybe you felt close to God a long time ago and you've drifted away. Maybe you just moved to the area and you've just 
come to check us out. Maybe you've been in this church for a very long time, but never really have received that gift. But regardless of the reason you think you're here today, you're not here by accident. Thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, before you were born, God knew you, were he- you would be here to be able to get your attention for a few minutes and say to you, you matter to me. I have a plan for your life. I came 2,000 years ago. I grew up. I died on the cross so that your past can be forgiven. Your present can be managed and your future guaranteed. All you have to do is to receive it. Trust in me and follow me. And then we'll develop a relationship together, an intimate one. And I'll be with you for the rest of your life and for all of eternity. So God has a gift for you. And I want to challenge you not to waste yet another Christmas by refusing this gift. Even as we uh, celebrate communion today, again, that's the real reason why we remember that. Now, you might be saying, I really am not ready. I've heard what you said, but I'm not ready. That's okay. That's why we have a gift for you and a way of very practical gift. Uh, as you go outside, uh, there are these uh, gift packages. There's a Bible in there uh, in everyday language. Uh, there's some tapes that will help you answer some of those tough questions that you might have. Like, uh, you know, why is there evil and suffering in the world? Uh, there's an invitation to an Alpha course, and all that is uh, an invitation to uh, dinner uh, together, and then we watch in a very engaging video on the basics of Christianity, and then we get into small groups for discussion on why uh, that's important to us. And again, no question is, is uh, too hard nor too simple. And we want, to, uh, we want you to receive that. But if you are ready, I want to ask you, to, um, and as we close, I want you to pray with me in your heart where you're at this prayer that hopefully will um, express the desire of your heart. Let's pray together. Dear God, I don't understand it all. I haven't figured it all out, but I believe that you love me. Out of anything, I believe that you love me. Sometimes that's hard to believe, but I do believe that you love me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, this Advent season, I want to receive Christ, your Christmas gift to me. Jesus, as much as I know how, I ask you to help me, to make yourself real to me. Come into my life. Please forgive my past. Help me to manage my present problems and give me the assurance that I'll be with you when I die. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I thought of the benediction in kind of three ways. And again, as Pastor Sunder said, you know, that message, if you've heard it many, many times, can grow stale. But my prayer for you is that that message would be fresh all over again. That you would become magnets to your place of work in your neighborhood. That people would be drawn to you because they see you as a person who's present as being managed. I mean, you have problems, but they're being managed in a way that they can't explain. That you're not living loaded down with guilt and that you're saying, yeah, I don't have to worry about that. I'm friends with God. So I want to bless you with that freshness of faith. For those of you who are in the, you know, in the middle of still kind of deciding, I want to bless you with open eyes and ears to hear what God is speaking to you. Again, God can speak through this worn-out Bible 
found in the garbage. May God speak to you. And for those of you who made that decision today, we want to rejoice with you. And we want to bless you with the beginning of your eternal life. That today was the beginning of your eternal life. Go in Jesus' name.